These are true stories from the files of the TV show Unsolved Mysteries. What you're about to hear is not a news broadcast, nor is it affiliated or officially associated with the TV show Unsolved Mysteries. Join me. Perhaps you can help solve a mystery. Shortly after midnight on August 23, 1987, 17-year-old Kevin Ives and his best friend, 16-year-old Don Henry, set out to go on a night hunting trip in the wooded area along the railroad tracks near Don's home in Bryan, Arkansas. Four hours later, a 75-car, 6,000-ton cargo train made its regular night run to Little Rock. It was over a mile long and was traveling at speeds of over 50 miles per hour. As it approached Bryant, the engineer noticed something on the tracks. From the time that we had placed the train into an emergency position and laid down on the horn. I would estimate about three to five seconds to impact. That may not sound like a very long period of time, but when you're bearing down on a couple of children, it's an eternity. He soon realized that there were two boys laying motionless on them. They were Kevin and Don. When we were about six poles away from it, I immediately recognized what we saw. They were just laid out. Kevin and Don appeared to be covered in a light green tarp Don's 22 rifle lay beside them. They were lying parallel on the tracks. Despite blowing the diesel horn several times, they did not move or react at all. I down on the diesel horn, and uh, I got no reaction, none at all. Not so much as a flinch. We just uh, passed over. The engineer attempted an emergency stop, but it was too late. They were hit by the train and killed. The state medical examiner determined that Kevin and Don were under the influence of marijuana. He concluded they had smoked approximately 20 marijuana cigarettes. He believed they were in a drug-induced coma when they were hit and ruled their deaths accidental. However, their families did not believe this and were certain that they were murdered. They did not believe they were involved in drugs. Kevin and Don's families also could not understand why they lay down in identical positions if they were under such high influence of marijuana. They also could not believe that they could sleep through such loud sound of the diesel horn. Don's father did not believe that he would lay his rifle in the gravel because he took great care of it and would not want it scratched. Kevin's family hired a private investigator to look at the case. Every time he would question police or other investigating agencies, he was met with resistance. They seemed unwilling to cooperate or change their opinions about the case. Five months after the deaths, Kevin and Don's parents held a press conference, hoping to get the case reopened. Unless that is honestly proved to be the truth, then you have to accept it. At this point, it has not been proved to them. The plan worked. The next day, it was officially done so. Prosecutor Richard Garrett had Kevin and Don's bodies exhumed for another autopsy. A new pathologist concluded they had smoked between one and three marijuana cigarettes, much less than what was concluded before. He also found evidence that one of them was already dead and the other was unconscious when they were hit by the train. In July of 1988, a grand jury reversed the ruling of accidental death and ruled their deaths as probable homicides. Prosecutor Garrett next focused on the green tarp allegedly covering Kevin and Don. 
Multiple witnesses on the train confirmed seeing it covering them. However, police who were initially on the scene later claimed the engineer never told them about it. He insists that he did so. Although the initial investigators claimed it didn't exist, the engineer is certain that it was there. Strangely, it was never found. I can understand two people laying down on a railroad track. I can understand two people laying down and covering themselves up with a tarp. Where would the tarp come from? I am convinced that the tarp existed. The tarp, however, was never found. A week before Kevin and Don were killed, an unidentified man wearing military fatigues was spotted in the vicinity of the tracks. His behavior had aroused suspicion. Police officer Danny Allen stopped to question him. Suddenly, the man opened fire on the officer. I got up from the seat, the subject was gone. And five minutes later, Saline County showed up and we searched the area and never found a subject. A search was conducted, but he was never found. On the night Kevin and Don were killed, witnesses said they saw the man in military fatigues again. This time he was leaving town, headed down the road less than 200 yards from the spot where Kevin and Don were later hit. Police have been unable to locate or identify the man. Prosecutor Garrett had another autopsy conducted on Kevin and Don. It stated there was evidence of stab wounds to Don's shirt and that Kevin had apparently been struck in the head with the butt of the rifle. As a result, the investigation changed from probable homicide to definite homicide. Anonymous tips suggested that Kevin and Don were murdered by drug dealers they had stumbled across. It's believed that drug trafficking through Bryant was connected to several other states. Some also believe they may have stumbled across the meth lab and were killed as a result. In 1995, the investigation into Kevin and Don's murders was officially closed without their killer captured or identified. Their families have conducted their own investigations and are still hoping the case can be resolved. A local witness later came forward claiming that on the night of the murders, he saw two police officers beating two boys senseless in a store parking lot before tossing them into the bed of a truck and driving away. It is unknown whether or not they were Kevin and Don. In 1996, Linda Ives released a video, Obstruction of Justice, detailing the botched investigation and the cover-up of an alleged drug ring in Saline County. Clinton had integrated a number of corrupt cops, judges, and politicians into high-level positions to ensure the continued success of the drug smuggling, money laundering operations. All was going well, until a fateful night in the fall of 1987. On August 22, 1987, Kevin had spent the night with his friend Don Henry. They left uh, Don's home around 12.30 or quarter to one uh, on the 23rd of August in early morning hours, and uh, the next thing we knew, they had been run over by a train. There seems to be a small airstrip in the area. There have been sightings and uh, reports of small airplanes flying very low with lights off in the area. I believe they saw something they shouldn't have seen. Three weeks later, their deaths were ruled accidental by the state medical examiner, Fami Malik, and um, we disagreed with that ruling uh, because we thought the evidence pointed to homicide. Uh, at that point, we had a lot of questions and no answers. Uh, and the facts didn't add up to what he was telling us, so we decided to get a second opinion and uh, met with resistance from all fronts, both with our local law enforcement, with the state crime lab, uh, with everybody that we turned to. Uh, we obtained court orders 
uh, requesting samples of everything that the crime lab had for a second opinion. And uh, Penny Malik um, uh, resisted court orders. Uh, he refused to obey them. Ultimately, it was proven that Don Henry had been stabbed in the back and Kevin Ives' skull had been crushed prior to the placement of their bodies on the railroad tracks. However, Malik stood by his ruling that the boys had simply fallen asleep on the tracks. Malik had been kept in office at the insistence of Governor Clinton for a number of years, despite vigorous public outcry to have him removed. As long as Malik's rulings pleased the governor's office or state police, they were left to stand, no matter how implausible. There were allegations of tampering with evidence in murder cases. Uh, there were allegations of perjury in different cases. It didn't seem to matter what Mallet did, Clinton uh, protected him. I was outraged that protecting a political crony of Clinton's was more important than the fact that two young boys had been murdered. Several people have been implicated into this conspiracy which has involved numerous investigations and two grand juries. In 2018, Billy Jack Haynes, a former professional wrestler, came forward claiming that he had actually witnessed Kevin and Don's murders. They were both handcuffed behind their back, and with the flashlights were on them, they were both uh, bleeding profusely. And you could see from the flashlights that they both had that it looked like they were beaten with the flashlights. I went up there, grabbed the phone, and told, and I said, man, uh, it's not two uh, Arkansas State Troopers that took any drop. There was no drop taken at all. And now there's these two kids. And uh, it looks like they're dead. And he goes, well, you know, we can't leave no witnesses, uh, Billy. You know, we've got to get rid of them. Can't, can't leave no witnesses. However, many do not consider him to be a credible source. On October 23, 2018, Prosecutor Garrett passed away at the age of 72 without acquiring any resolution to the case. This case first aired on Unsolved Mysteries on October 12, 1988, and as of this recording, remains unsolved. Some of these stories remain unsolved. Perhaps someone out there listening holds the vital answer to solving the mystery. Perhaps it's you.